Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. Climate hysteria has dominated the narrative for well over 50 years. Climate alarmists predict the end of polar ice caps and even the end of life on the planet as we know it. All the predictions have come and gone, but it doesn't stop anyone from claiming that human activity is the cause of extreme weather events and that CO2 is an environmental toxin responsible for the warming of the planet. Well, our guest today is a climate skeptic, much like myself, and his name is Tom Nelson, and he's been challenging the prevailing narrative of climate change since 2005. He has a podcast that focuses on this subject, and he's had numerous experts on as guests, including Richard Lindzen, Will Happer, Mark Morano, and many more. They have thoroughly debunked the human-caused climate crisis theory that is driving the Green New Deal and the tyrannical takeover by the WEF. If you're not already, by the end of this podcast, you're going to be a climate skeptic too. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So did I set that up properly that you are a climate skeptic? Yeah, you absolutely did. Yep, I've been uh, working on it since uh, 2006 or so, uh, almost daily uh, since that time. So I've been down every rabbit hole that uh, you can think of. It's amazing. You know, the, the term conspiracy or conspiracy theorist has is always kicked around when people get very, very close to the truth. You know, I, I've discovered that the, that the more over the target I am on a topic, the more often you're uh, called an extremist or a, or a conspiracy theorist. Have you experienced that at all? Yeah, definitely. I've gotten all sorts of smears and pushback and uh, over the years, but uh, I, I don't care about it too much. I yeah. mean, um, I, I don't see it as a conspiracy, this whole thing. I think there's an enormous amounts of groupthink. I think that is the mm-hmm. biggest problem. What mm-hmm. has led so many people astray and why so many even scientists believe in this whole thing is it's wow. groupthink. If they think someone else has proven that CO2 is the climate control knob and that the weather is getting worse and all this other stuff, and they haven't looked at it uh, for themselves. But my, uh, mm. what I constantly say is any ordinary person, you can dig into this uh, data for yourself. It's not that difficult to sanity check what they're telling us against what's actually happening. Anybody who can mm. uh, look at graphs and uh, use Google can figure this stuff out. Well, and that's why I love what you're doing, because you've kind of taken you've taken the time to do a lot of the homework. Right. I I love when, you know, you you post back and forth on social media and everyone says, well, show us the research. I'm like, hey, listen, spend 15 minutes yourself to try and do some research on this and you will find what the rest of us have found. And, you know, the truth is this. Everyone I've ever talked to cares about the environment. You know, we, we all want to take good care of this planet. I have yet to meet someone that thinks it's okay to destroy this this planet where we live. In fact, most people truly believe in being a good steward, you know, um, marshalling its resources. We want clean air. We want clean water. We want healthy food and a healthy environment to raise our families in. Why are climate skeptics labeled as so often anyway, as people who hate the environment? Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, I have kids of my own. They're in their 20s now. And I certainly uh, I'm not doing this because I hate kids or I don't care about my own kids. I want the best future possible for them. But this whole idea of it's going to make their future better if we fight against carbon dioxide is completely crazy because carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant. There isn't too much of it. So 
uh, to be worried about our future because of carbon dioxide is uh, just totally ridiculous. And mm. it can lead us to do a lot of things that don't make any sense and to make their future worse. So yeah. I'm trying to fight on the side of science because I want the future to be the, the best it can be for our kids. Exactly. And I think this is why, you know, we, we kind of have divided this up into the people that, that want the environment to be healthy and those that don't want it to be healthy. When the truth is that dichotomy, that division is just a tool to be able to usher in this agenda. And I, I don't believe this is by accident. I actually believe that this whole climate hoax is, uh, is done for a reason, many reasons. I think it starts with the UN. I think it's related to the World Economic Forum and on and on it goes. But aside from that, I think we need to be able to take back this idea that we all care about the environment and that, that the solutions that they're proposing are for a problem that doesn't exist. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. That, yeah, this whole idea that even the the executives at uh, Exxon that they're just uh, evil people that just want money and they don't care if we all die. I mean, that's kind of the narrative that that that's how evil they are. But uh, I have seen no evidence that there's anybody like that. I totally agree with right. you. People want the best for our, our kids. So right. this dividing us into two sides, it's a complete baloney. Exactly. And the real debate, we've lost the debate. I remember as a kid growing up, the issue was pollution, right? Hey, we've got to stop yeah. this pollution. We are polluting the, the planet. And we were. I mean, if you think about it, the, the level of toxic material that we would put into the air, the, the, our water was contaminated, which, by the way, our water is contaminated now, probably like never before because of the pharmaceuticals that are found in there, because of all the toxic material we're putting on our soils. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. But Back then, it was like, hey, we, we all need to pitch in to clean up the environment. It was all about cleaning up the environment, handling pollution. And now it's morphed into the fact that human beings are the enemy and that we're the cause of this, this hoax, which is global warming. And as a result, we have to take extreme measures to stop it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think one big thing that's happened here is that... Uh, the control of carbon dioxide allows people mm -hmm. to control every aspect of our lives. So it's yeah. just if it's local pollution that they're fighting somewhere and uh, some city that doesn't allow people to uh, globally control everybody. And uh, this whole idea of controlling carbon dioxide, Richard Lindzen said controlling carbon is a bureaucrat's dream. If you control mm -hmm. carbon, you control life. So I mm -hmm. think the people, the WEF type of people are completely clinging to this idea because there's so much power and money that's at stake. And if people realize that CO2 isn't a pollutant, then that really changes a global control. Boy, that's a big topic, right? This is, this is the big deal, right? Because if carbon is the problem, which we, which science would say it is not. And in fact, we've had much more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than we do now. If you look back hist in history of the planet, I mean, we're not even close to the peak levels of CO2, in in the atmosphere as we are as we are in history are we in are we actually in the middle of a climate crisis we 100% are not in the middle of a climate crisis. There's zero evidence of any climate crisis. And, and, and again, I've been down every rabbit hole. This whole idea that cyclones are getting worse, droughts, floods, th mm. name anything you want. None of that stuff is getting worse. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with our climate or weather that hasn't uh, been wrong with it for every other year in human history. And uh, Tony Heller is one guy who really does a great job of sanity checking that type of mm. thing. Uh, constantly when people are saying this is the worst cyclone ever, blah, blah, blah. Right. He's going back and checking that against the actual data, and it's not. Yeah, It's amazing. So CO2 doesn't cause bad weather. It absolutely does not.
Exactly. And so it's interesting because we've heard that reducing CO2 in the atmosphere is going to create, I think, in fact, it's going to cause the opposite, right? If we reduce the CO2 in the atmosphere, I believe it's going to create what I would call a human extermination event. I mean, we've talked about the scientists will say that there is a critical shortage of CO2. There is a level of no return, essentially, where if we reduce the CO2 in the atmosphere to a point, it will cause dramatic food shortages and starvation. So let's talk a little bit more about what CO2 does in the atmosphere. What's the percentage of CO2 in the atmosphere? And why is this the, the fulcrum for these people? Yeah, so currently it's maybe a little over 420 parts per million or just over 0.04% of the atmosphere is carbon dioxide. And you may have seen some funny videos where they're talking to people, some bureaucrats that are kind of in charge of CO2, that that's uh, their reason for their job. They're asking, how much CO2 do you think is in the atmosphere? And they'll give give numbers like 5% or something. Even these uh, experts don't realize that it's just a tiny, tiny uh, percentage of the atmosphere. And Mm. supposedly humans have caused the increase in CO2 since maybe 1850. But if we did, that's about one additional CO2 molecule for every 10,000 atmospheric molecules. So this whole idea that we need to blow $40 trillion on this and it's the most important thing ever, it's all about one molecule for every 10,000 atmospheric molecules. So wow. it's not the climate control knob. It's a very tiny portion of the atmosphere that we are, are affecting. But it really is good plant food. So it, mm-hmm. it's important that we have the CO2 up there because it's a critical component of uh, yes. photosynthesis. And we're way closer mm-hmm. to not having enough CO2 in the atmosphere, way closer than mm-hmm. having too much. And as yeah. you mentioned, if we got uh, down maybe to 180 ppm CO2, that would just be terrible for farming. And a lot of people would die if we got CO2 down even that low. You know, you mentioned this. The numbers are staggering, right? When I first heard that it was 0.04% of the atmosphere, that made me do a double take. I thought this this certainly can't be true. That is this tiny, tiny percentage of the overall atmosphere. And yet it is. And we've had much more CO2 in the planet's history, of course. But right now, I've heard estimates from scientists that the planet hasn't been this green or or able to produce as much food as it is than it is right now in centuries. Is that true? I'm hearing that same thing. I'm mm-hmm. hearing estimates of maybe uh, 23% greener now, maybe, than it was in 1850 or so. I mean, mm. again, so CO2, is, it doesn't, uh, it's not the climate control now, but it is very important uh, for, for plants. So the deserts mm-hmm. are greening and uh, the... Increase in crop yields since 1850, of course, a lot of that is caused by better seeds and better farming practices. But a significant part of the additional yields we're getting now is because there's more CO2 and there's more plant food. Uh, Will Happer uh, talks about this, that uh, if you measure CO2 in a growing cornfield in the summertime Mm -hmm. in the Midwest, there might be uh, over 420 ppm CO2 early in the morning. And that corn sucks down so much CO2 as it's growing that it might get uh, the CO2 down to 200 parts per million later on in the day, just because it's using up every molecule as it's growing as much as it can. Well, that's that's an interesting thing, right? Because people today are demonizing farms, right? They're saying that livestock, they're saying that farms, they're saying that, you know, all these practices are creating more CO2 in the atmosphere when truthfully, if you farm the correct way, if you integrate livestock with the vegetation, it's far better for the environment. In fact, you get something called carbon capture. Do you know, do you know a little bit about carbon capture? 
a little bit about that. I, I don't look into it too much because I think the whole idea of trying to right. capture carbon and making the world better, I, I think we want more CO2 in the atmosphere. So right. I don't think we want to capture it. I mean, they are talking also yes. about capturing cow farts. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, no. They actually have done some research. Uh, this is not CO2 related, but it's global warming related, where they actually have cows in a research a facility with a big tank on their back. And they're, they're capturing the cow farts for, for, some, uh, for some reason, because supposedly that is causing some, uh, some bad weather. The greenhouse gas is emitted when uh, cows uh, burp or fart. But anyway, the whole idea that farming causes bad weather, no matter yeah. how you slice it, it does not. Right, exactly. And it, it's obviously essential for human flourishing, of course, which, you know, why why is it it feels like human beings are being demonized in this whole thing that that the planet somehow is taking center stage, that the planet is the center and that that's the thing we need to take care of and that human being uh, human beings are actually the enemy. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, there's you see some quotes uh, straight up that people are saying that, that they consider humans uh, sort of a virus or a plague yeah. on the planet, and the Earth would be so much better off if it could get rid of us, just like getting rid of a virus or a pest of some sort. So yeah. I think there is a, an anti-human narrative. I think uh, if you really believe in this uh, this whole climate crisis narrative, uh, you may believe in uh, the anti-human narrative. And we got to get the Earth's population down from 8 billion to 1 billion. I'm hearing stuff like that. Very yeah. anti-human. Alex Epstein talks a lot about that. And he is uh, does a good job of uh, promoting a, a pro-human flourishing narrative because uh, mm. there's nothing wrong with humans and, and we're not a plague. He talks about... Uh, about uh, an anti-bear narrative that maybe you uh, don't like bears and you want there to be less bears on the planet. Now, that would be an evil thing to say, but uh, I don't know why yeah. people want to say that there should be less people on the planet because, uh, yeah. yeah, let's be pro-human. Yeah. yeah, let's be pro-human, right? And I think, you know, in the creative order for people of faith, of course, this is an issue that, you know, we've been given dominion over the earth. And I love that picture, right? Dominion means care for. Right. It means to it means to take care of we're, we're stewards of this planet. So therefore, I have an as a man of faith, I have an obligation to take care of the environment that I that I steward to make it better than uh, when I started, you know, to leave it better than before. That's just a, a matter of conscience. It's a matter of good stewardship. And I think that's why we're you know, we're taking God out of everything. We've taken him out of the school. We've taken him out of the public marketplace. We've taken him out of everywhere, although, you know, with other guests that we've had. As we've seen, there's never been more freedom with respect to our religious freedom and free speech than ever before. It just doesn't feel like it because it's under such attack. But I think the more you remove God from the equation, the more the less important man is. In fact, now man can be an enemy, an enemy of the planet. Yeah. One related thing that I like to say is that climate change is the religion of people who think they're too smart for religion. Wow. I think. I, I do think that climate change, I mean, uh, there's a lot of parallels between religion and climate change. And when people don't have religion in their life, uh, uh, climate change is a substitute. There's all sorts of uh, all yes. sorts of parallels. Yeah, they're Yo, looking boy, for that's meaning in their lives. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it, and it sure does feel, you know, I often refer to it as the climate cult. You know, you you yeah. very rarely have more more passionate people about a topic who know less about the topic and who have bought the conclusions, the misguided conclusions of this entire narrative. So let me ask you this. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Is the government manipulating the weather? 
That is a great question, and I've only looked into that a little bit. Uh, I do believe that they are manipulating the weather. Uh, they, they admit it. I, I looked up a lot of mm-hmm. articles where uh, there's quite a few right. companies that are uh, trying to do rainmaking, et cetera. I don't yeah. know to what extent people are trying to change the entire global temperature. But yeah. uh, as of a few months ago, I was not aware that there are so many researchers and so many companies that are actually are doing things like trying to seed the clouds in various yes. ways. So I, th- I think it is happening. To what extent, I don't know yet, but it yeah. is happening. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And Mark Morano is all over this, and I know he's been a guest. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, you know, we, we actually had an article in the Denver, I believe it was in the Denver Post, <clears throat> where they talked about the fact that they are geoengineering. Now, this, by the way, anybody that suggested that, that our government was seeding the clouds or changing weather or, quote unquote, geoengineering, 15, 20 years ago, you would have been called a conspiracy theorist. Now they are openly admitting to the fact that they are indeed manipulating the weather. They are seeding the clouds to get more moisture, to get more snow, to get more rain. And, and as a result, it is dramatically changing the weather. So they, like you said, they're not even hiding it anymore. Yeah, I was surprised as I looked into it that I found quite a bit of uh, writing about this right in the mainstream media saying yes. their companies are doing it. Here's what they're doing uh, in uh, maybe. Yeah, in uh, the mainstream, they're admitting that it's happening. Uh, yeah. As of a couple of few months ago, I, I thought that uh, that they were not admitting it, but they are. Yeah, yeah, it's right out in the open. And I think that is part of what this kind of, you know, kind of global Marxist revolution that we're experiencing right now is for years and years, they've been hiding their agenda. Then they published their agenda. So, for example, Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030 now through the U.N., they're publishing their intentions out in the open. And now people, they still don't believe it, even though it's being said. I I don't understand that. What's wrong with us that we can't critically think now that it's all out in the open? I don't know. I mean, that's a big topic, the (laughs) lack of critical thinking. Yeah, I think. uh, Yeah. I'm hearing that in schools that kids really aren't taught critical thinking, and and maybe that's true. I I don't know how much worse it is now, but I'm seeing a huge lack of critical thinking. However, though, in the last uh, two years, I would say I'm seeing more critical thinking. I'm Mm, definitely seeing more people uh, seeing lies that uh, have been told to us in the media, and they're wondering what else are we being lied to about. I'm for sure seeing that, and that, that makes me happy. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I was uh, I was at a local hardware store Lowe's today and on my checkout, I was questioning about the bags because here in Colorado, of course, we're outlawing plastic bags, of course, because my gosh, that's going to destroy the uh, environment. And I asked the young lady at the checkout, I said, well, you know, she says, oh, you don't like plastic bags. I said, no, I like plastic bags. They're actually efficient. And, and she says, well, they're bad for the environment. I said, what would you prefer? And she said, oh, paper bags. And I said, oh, is, is the, is the uh, footprint, is the pollutive footprint uh, different? And she couldn't answer that. And she said, well, you can recycle that. And I said, do you know how much of the material that we recycle actually ends up getting recycled? And I told her it was less than 15%, and she just couldn't believe it. And then I said, and so she says, what do they do with the rest of it? I said, well, they bury it in the landfills like everything else. And she just couldn't believe it. My question to you is this. The indoctrination around climate change and around demonizing human beings for destroying the planet is so deep and so complete. Have we have we reached a point of no return? I think we have not. 
I am seeing some uh, polling saying that even the young people right now are not buying into the climate scam as much as they were. And I I think they've sold it so hard that uh, hell on earth is coming. And when it doesn't come, which it's not, people are going to even the young people, they've been told, you know, it's going to be hell by the time you get to be 30 or whatever. And when it doesn't happen, they're going to wake up. So, yeah, we're not uh, we haven't hit a point of no return. Uh, The truth is going to win out. It has to because. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you're making me hopeful because there are days when I wonder, like I scratch my head and I wonder, have we really gone past this point of no return? So I'm encouraged. Thank you for that. (laughs) So I have talked to Richard Lindzen because he's been involved in this forever. And he was saying, Mm. you know, when I first uh, heard about this thing, I thought it could not last. And now it's been going on 30 years. I can't believe it's lasted this long. But uh (laughs) It's way past its sell-by date already, so oh I really God. don't think it's going to last another 30 years. No way. Well, I hope not. I hope not. So let's let's talk a little bit about their solution, right? The green energy movement has been, you know, has been touted as the only way to save the planet. Oh, my gosh. Is, and I've done a lot of research on this as well, is green energy really green or is it actually toxic and bad for the environment? Yeah, I would say most of it is toxic and bad for the environment, and and it's not profitable. There's uh, mm, right. there's all sorts of. Uh, I'm constantly in my feed. I'm seeing stories of green energy that has failed, and people fighting back against at a local level, fighting back against green energy. And uh, I think that has already peaked. I would say. I mean, they're pushing it as hard as they can, but. Uh, it's generally, uh, some people call it Rube Goldberg energy. We already have a good, reliable power grid, and we're going to try to replace that with uh, wind turbines and yeah. and uh, solar panels. And it does not make sense. It just does not work at all uh, yeah. in a reliable way. It uh, makes our grid way worse in general. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just uh, a crazy way to do it. And people are becoming more awake to all the problems with the uh, mining cobalt, to having kids mining yes. cobalt in Africa. And yeah. um People are figuring out that the wind turbines are not recyclable, that they wear out way quicker than you think. And then people are just uh, bulldozing dirt over them in landfills. Yeah. They're not recycling them. And uh, yeah, you, you, right now you can't recycle solar panels. And there's all sorts of problems if they uh, you have a solar uh, field out there and it gets uh, hit by hail. There's all sorts of chemicals leaching into the, uh, the ground. There's just tons of unintended consequences that people yeah. are waking up to. It's amazing, too. Like you said, you know, the the resources used, the child slave labor being used all around the world to produce these mining, these minerals, Um, you know, and now we've got we've had this push towards electric vehicles for so long. And from the very beginning, none of this made any sense. And of course, now the real information is coming out that these electric vehicles aren't any better for the environment. In fact, it can be argued that they are significantly worse for the environment batteries for example weigh over 1200 pounds and now we're seeing that the damage to the roads is creating unbelievable repair problems unbelievable use of carbon materials which of course i don't care because carbon isn't the enemy but batteries are actually toxic to the environment they're non-recyclable talk about this yeah, I'm reading the same things that you are. I have read an estimate, I believe, that to make a maybe a Tesla battery, you have to move 500,000 pounds of earth to do uh, that. But So it takes an enormous amount of uh, fossil fuel, usually diesel fuel, lots of mining, and you got to yeah. ship the pieces, the parts around. It takes a lot of fossil fuel to make yeah. that battery, and then it doesn't last very long, and there's no good way to recycle it. And yeah. it is dangerous in an accident. I'm finding that out, yeah. too. 
that if your Tesla gets involved in an accident and uh, they don't know if the battery has been harmed or not, uh, it's yeah. it's dangerous to keep using it. So they might just uh, total your car for your Tesla for an accident that would not total a regular gas powered car. So again, it's yeah. all about unintended consequences and finding out that things don't work as well uh, in real life as they did on the drawing board. It's amazing. Over and over, we're seeing that same story over and over, over and over. And you know, you think a guy like Elon Musk because I'm 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 a fan of Elon Musk, right? He, you know, he he essentially bought Twitter and restored free speech on that platform. Which, by the way, we now know uh, the government was controlling Twitter before Elon Musk, completely censoring everyday Americans, silencing experts, silencing experts in the in the climate change movement, silencing experts in the medical freedom area for COVID and all the rest. I mean, absolutely silencing people. So I'm a fan of Elon Musk, but at the same time, I'm, con I'm confused why he doesn't see that these electric batteries are so bad for the environment, so toxic. In fact, I saw a study, you said, you, you touched on the economics of this. It's not even cheaper. In fact, it's much more expensive. A recent study found that electric vehicles, electricity costs the equivalent of $17 a gallon. So, you know, the whole thing is kind of blowing up, isn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely is blowing up. Uh, I've seen no evidence that uh, people in the U.S. Uh, want to use a, an electric car for their primary vehicle. If they're mm. people that need to drive, uh, you know, get to work and commute, sometimes it could work if you have a very short commute. But uh, mostly Teslas are sold to very uh, rich folks as a kind of a toy or a virtue signaling vehicle. And mm. uh there's only so many of those customers around. And I think uh, yeah. Tesla's uh, financial results are starting to reflect that. So uh, mm. I, it looks like it's peaked and um, there's a lot of backing off already from the whole, uh, the, the whole hysteria that we, everyone has to drive an electrical electric vehicle to right. prevent bad weather. Just people right. are really not buying that anymore. I'm so glad I, this is a super encouraging conversation for me. You know, I was just thinking, I saw the CEO, I think it was the CEO of uh, Ford motor, and he decided he was going to take one of their electric vehicles, one of their trucks, and take it on a cross-country trip. And he he discovered that the whole thing is a disaster, that he couldn't find charging stations. When he did, they were often broken. When he found them, it could take up to four to six hours to charge his battery. And he's sitting there thinking, is this the way we're going to travel from now on? This is the CEO of Ford Motor. I think people are coming to their senses. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of similar stories like that, that people, uh, journalists are taking off on a grand uh, tour, several states tour, and then they're finding out that there's all sorts of range anxiety and they might yes. have to drive for a long distance without the heater on because they can't make it to the next charging station. Again, yes. in the real world, it doesn't work the way you want it to. But I did want to right. get back to Musk just for a minute because yeah, sure. I just... A few years ago, it seemed like uh, I've been following his quotes carefully that he was really selling the uh, climate uh, alarmism pretty hard. But he has mm. really backed off lately, just in the last uh, week or two, maybe in the last few yeah. days, he did a um, Joe Rogan uh, mm. podcast. And he talked on there about how, you know, I can't directly quote him, but he was saying, let's not go hog wild with the, this thing. It's OK to eat a steak and let's uh, not uh, be too hysterical about the climate. He, he was talking in a very reasonable manner about it. So that makes me happy. Wow, that is yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah I and, love it. And actually, another thing is that Joe Rogan himself did a podcast unrelated to global warming with Alex Berenson in the last month or so. Oh, wow. They weren't uh, talking about global warming, but it came up a couple times. It just happened to come up and uh, they were scoffing at it, which mm. that made me happy because both of those guys in the past yeah. have kind of uh, said that they're kind of buying into it. 
So wow. it's encouraging that these uh, more high-profile podcast-type folks are uh, starting to scoff at it. That's, That's fantastic. A, a plus. Yeah, yeah. I think we need these high-profile folks with big platforms to start being super vocal about it. I think t- right now is the time to do it. I think we have an opportunity to maybe turn the tide on this. Let, so let's talk about some of the some of the proponents of this nonsense, right? Let's talk a little bit about Bill Gates. I, I read week uh, a handful of weeks ago that he's suggesting that we cut down 70 million acres of forests and bury the trees. And, you know, like we started the show, I, I remember when planting trees was good for the environment and for human life. What the heck is going on? Yeah, that's one of the single craziest solutions out of all the crazy solutions. There was a peer-reviewed paper that said the same thing quite a while ago, maybe 10 plus years ago. The peer-reviewed paper said, I think they were going to have 200,000 people employed full-time and all they were going to do day after day for their full-time job is cut down trees and bury them underground. So that was, you know, there's a carbon in trees so that the trees grow and they suck in carbon dioxide. And if we bury that carbon, we're going to prevent bad weather in the year 2100. So. It just it can hardly get more insane than that, that uh, the green people want to cut down the trees and bury them uh, using uh, cut them down with uh, hydrocarbon fuel chainsaws and uh, big equipment that it, yeah. it hardly gets any more crazy than that. But it sounds like Bill Gates has resurrected that even now. So, you I, know, I don't trust Bill Gates to have any sort of common sense because I don't think he does have any common sense. I don't either. I view him as a, as an enemy of humanity, actually. I think I think actually anyone who is uh, a significant player in the World Economic Forum uh, is should be treated as an enemy of humanity with the policies that they're promoting and the way they're destroying not only economics, but also our, our health care and now our, our planet with these ridiculous ideas. Let's talk a little bit about another one of those climate cultists, John Kerry. He recently announced uh, the need to have a warlike effort to essentially shut down the global farming industry. And he said this. This is his quote. You can't expect to keep warming the planet and also feed it. But isn't that exactly the solution? A warmer planet produces more food. Uh, Yeah, a warmer planet does produce more food. And uh, people are way too confident that the Earth is going to continue to warm. Uh, I think that we are going to see cooling between now and 2100 at some point. I don't think it's so complicated. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. But every single time in the past, it's warmed and it's cooled. It it never just continues to warm forever. It never cools forever. It goes in cycles. So the way to bet is that it's going to continue to go in cycles. But this whole idea of killing cows to prevent bad weather or getting rid of farmers to make our lives better, it just doesn't get uh, any more crazy than that either. And they're doing this in the Netherlands. They're trying to shut down yeah. maybe 20% of the farms. These are some of the most productive farms mm-hmm. in the world. And, and they're using the climate uh, scam as a reason to get rid of those farms, which is uh, that's an evil thing right there, I'd say. Yeah. Isn't this really so this this is kind of bringing it full circle, right? Because I believe that the that climate is just a lever of the World Economic Forum, the leaders who are trying to usher in a one world government, a global takeover of sorts so that they can control human behavior. Is, doesn't this all relate back to the World Economic Forum, the United Nations and the Agenda 21, Agenda 2030? I do think that that is a major uh, control point at the top, that it's not about climate. I'm constantly saying that on Twitter. Yep. This isn't really about climate, is it? So I do think at the top that they are pe- people are pushing this just because they want money and control or whatever else. I do think there's a lot of people underneath that mm. have dedicated their lives to this again. And I think they, a lot of them actually believe that they, they see themselves as heroes preventing uh, the uh, 
death of civilization because they're fighting CO2. So I think it's a combination of groupthink and I think there's mm. uh, some nefarious motives at the top too. Yeah, it's interesting because you also see this coalescing of control with the World Health Organization, right? They want this pandemic emergency response plan so that they can arbitrarily shut down, essentially shut down the world. Um, they will take precedence over any national sovereignty. That's a concern. The World Economic Forum has infiltrated all of our governments, especially the Western governments where all the wealth is. They've infiltrated just about every educational system we have. And now here we've got this problem where people actually believe this nonsense and are willing to give up essential freedoms to be uh, safe or to be protected in some way. Yeah, there is a major effort uh, straight out to uh, tie health for the WHO to tie human health to climate or the, the fake climate yes. crisis. They're really trying to sell that. And I don't think they're going to get very far with that. I think people are getting tired of that. Uh, I don't think they're going to buy it, but we'll, we'll see. They, they really were trying to say that, you know, if the weather gets warmer, we're going to have more pandemics and maybe even uh, maybe CO2 contributed to the most recent one. But uh, I have not seen very many people that are willing to buy that, but I'm sure some people will. Yeah. And I think the good news is now we see the kind of the, the COVID hysteria for what that is worth. And I think that people are, are understand that it was used again as a lever to force people's behavior. And I think we're all tired of that. And I, I, hopefully that we won't allow that the next time around. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I think people are much less likely to comply next time around. I, I'm hoping that's true. I hope so as well. So let's let's talk a little bit about what everyday Americans can do to push back against this climate hysteria. What can we do? I like the idea of uh, pushing back in real life if we get a chance. Even in my past, I, when people, uh, if I was uh, out at a party or whatever, and people would bring it up, I would kind of stay silent. But now I'm less likely to do that. I think pushing back at the retail level is, is worthwhile. And you, you hate to be that guy. But I, it's so important that yeah. I think we, we all should be that guy. And if people try to say uh, hysterical things, we should say, you know, it's that's not true. And here's why. It, it's so important because otherwise... Uh, really bad things are going to happen to us us and our kids. So yeah, yeah push back when people bring it up. And I think pushing back online, uh, it makes mm -hmm. me really happy when I'm on Twitter and uh, uh, whatever, the uh, UN puts up another ridiculous tweet about their climate crisis. You look through the responses, there's just tons of people saying, this is not correct and here's why. I love yes. that when people are saying, here's why it's not correct. Same with uh, comment sections and newspapers, et cetera. Uh, Every little thing that you can do to push back is worthwhile. And it really makes me happy that a lot of people are doing that. I'm seeing way more of that now than I was five years ago. Mm, that's great. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that we can, you know, influence this process with economics, with our purchasing power? What, what are some things that we might be able to do there? That's a great question. I mean, uh, I would just continue to uh, live your life as you want and uh, don't be afraid to uh, eat meat and fly and and uh, buy gas for your car and all that stuff. I think most people don't need to be encouraged to do that. As I see, if I go to the airport, it's just uh, it's full of people that are flying. I don't see anybody crying or feeling yeah. so guilty that they're not flying. So I think people are just... Uh, they're living their lifestyles and they're kind of showing us every day that they don't really believe in it. Even people who are selling this for a living, if you look at yep. their lifestyles, they're showing us that they don't really believe it because they're emitting CO2 just like the rest of us. So yes, just, just live your life and don't worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, uh, you, you've spoken with Mark Morana, who is really an expert in this area. I mean, like way, way, way down the line. What are some things that you learned from him that might, might help us as listeners? 
Let's see, what have I learned from him? I, I consider him a friend. I think he, he is, mm. one thing, he is so sharp that he can sit down without notes and uh, he can answer questions. Uh, he, uh, he, he has the ability, uh, he's got the great ability to store facts in his head and he's a very great communicator. And I don't know mm. if you can really teach that. But um, what else have I learned from him? I guess maybe a bigger picture perspective. Mm. That'd be one thing. Because uh, for quite a while, as I was uh, looking at this debate, I was just looking at the very lowest level and, and, and trying to figure out uh, just just looking at the data. But it is good to step up a little bit and look one or two levels above that and try to figure out what's actually motivating people. And mm -hmm. it's hard to get in, in their head, but it is good to uh, take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture and see what the political implications are, why politicians might uh, pretend to believe in it when they don't really believe in it, that mm -hmm. type of thing. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny, you mentioned that if you look at the lifestyle of the people that are promoting this in the biggest way, from John Kerry to Al Gore to Bill Gates to and to Obama to on and on and on it goes. All these people, they own they own uh, coastline property. You know, when they've been calling that they've been calling for the fact that this all this property was going to go away with the rising oceans, which, of course, has not happened. Al Gore has literally been wrong on every single issue. Uh, every single prediction he's made since 1992, he's been wrong on. Why are we still listening to Al Gore? I don't know if we are listening to Al Gore as much. <laughs> it seems like we're not hearing about him as much. But you bring up Obama, and he's just another example of a guy who's living exactly as a person who doesn't believe this at all. He would yes. constantly have fly to Hawaii for his vacations on a plane that got one quarter of a mile per gallon, not four Oops. miles per gallon, but point zero point two five miles per gallon, Jeez. just burning enormous amounts of hydrocarbon fuel. And they said, you know, uh, we're supposed to be encouraged to uh, set our heating uh, not too uh, high in the winter because we're trying to save energy. But uh, someone said that you could grow orchids in his office in the White House because he liked it so hot in there. So it's oh just kind God. of interesting that the earth's supposed to be too hot, but this guy's uh, turning up the heat because he likes it hot and he doesn't really care about energy conservation in, in his real life. So I, I think it is good to see that uh, if I actually believed that CO2 might kill my kids, I would li live as uh, I, I would set an example. But even the believers don't actually believe. That's, the, that's an important point. They, they and, don't actually believe what they're saying. That's right. And I really do believe this is a, a tremendous transfer of wealth. This is a tremendous transfer of wealth from the peasant class, from the middle class, which is shrinking, uh, to the elite class, to all these people that claim to know better, that say one thing and live a different way. This is another wealth transfer, a transfer of wealth from common folks to the elite class, just like COVID was. COVID created more elite billionaires and impoverished more people around the world than any other hoax in world history, really. And I think the good news is we're not falling for this nonsense anymore. And that's why we do these shows, because we want people to wake up and we want people to say, oh, maybe what they're saying isn't quite true. There is a there's a documentary out. Um, and what the, I think the subtitle is, Will You Eat Bugs? Uh, and I find it fascinating. It's through Epoch Times. Have you seen that documentary? And will you ever eat bugs instead of I me? Have not, I haven't seen that one. I would like to see that one. But it's just really weird that they would pick this. Uh, th they would try to uh, get us to eat bugs. I don't know what percent of Americans are ever going to eat bugs, go out of their way to eat bugs because they think it's going to prevent bad weather. Uh, yeah. I, I just It's very puzzling that, that they would even, uh, even broach that subject. 
that that I don't know what they're thinking because uh, yeah. they're they're not going to it's not going to happen. It's not that's not happening. I did yep. want to mention that you talked about this transfer of wealth. That there's a couple of actual names of people, really rich people, who are getting our money. And one is Elon Musk through Tesla. He's gotten mm-hmm. so much uh, uh, through the climate scam. He's uh, gotten so many. Uh, subsidies so many tax credits and wow. it's flowing from us to him and same thing with uh, warren buffett that his wow. uh, berkshire hathaway uh, has done an enormous amount of uh, work in the wind industry so mm. it's kind of interesting that ordinary people paying their bills their money yeah. is being funneled to warren buffett who already has more money than uh, we can even imagine so it's, it's just crazy that that transfer of wealth is happening we're supposed to be doing this with a smile on our face because we're preventing yes. bad weather but it's just a scam it is a scam. And, yeah. you know, I think it, the entire system, the entire green ed- energy system would collapse overnight without these government subsidies, wouldn't it? Yeah. Buffett himself said that. He admitted that, that uh, the tax credits are the only reason that War- Berkshire Hathaway uh, is in the wind in- industry. He said it does not make sense without those tax credits. So Unbelievable. straight up, he admitted it. So let's not Jeez. do it. Let's, let's take them away. I really appreciate your insight. I, number one, I think you've given us a lot of hope, right? That that people are waking up to the truth about the climate hoax, that it is not human-induced, that CO2 is not the culprit. Uh, any final thoughts that you might have to encourage our listeners and to, you know, to embolden them to live a free life and not uh, live as though this is an existential threat? No, I would just uh, repeat what I said before about just enjoy your life, that there's absolutely no climate crisis. CO2 is good. Fighting CO2 is insane. So if you're uh, driving around emitting CO2, you're doing a good thing for plants and you're making the world a better place. Don't worry about Uh, it. That's a great place to end. Tom, hey, thanks so much for being on the show and I appreciate you, my friend. God bless you. Thanks, Jimmy. Talk to you later. You bet. 